Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that Right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello, welcome to the New Books Network. I am your host, Stephen Sakevich. To many, the city might seem just simply a large urban area from which to live in, but it actually forms an important political concept and community that has been influential throughout European history, dating back to the polis of ancient Greece, to the Roman Republic, to the city-states of the Italian Renaissance, and even down to the present day. To discuss this fascinating and multifaceted topic is my guest, Ferenc Herke, author of The Political Philosophy of the European City from Polis through City-State to Megapolis. Ferenc Herke is a political philosopher, historian of political thought, and a philosopher of art. He is director of the Research Institute of Politics and Government at the University of Public Service in Budapest and a senior researcher at the Institute of Philosophy of the Hungarian Academy of Sciences. Ferenc Herke, welcome to the New Books Network. Hello, welcome everybody. Yes, uh, so we usually like to begin by asking our guests to talk about their background and what motivated them to write this book. Well, I am a political philosopher and uh, the book before this one was uh, a book about uh, conservatism, political philosophy of conservatism. And that uh, brought me to the topic of uh, the Euro- a special phenomenon in the European past, which is um, the political uh, community of the European city. So I started to research on that. Well, I actually started it a little bit earlier, but as soon as I finished the earlier one, I started to to write uh, this one. Uh, and I thought that um, it gives me the possibility to uh, try to understand and describe the phenomenon of a face-to-face community, which is, I think, the paradigmatic case of political uh, communities. So I use uh, this uh, historical um, phenomenon, the European city, to describe a general political uh, um, uh, community, uh, the European uh, city community or urban community. Yeah, and you took a particular approach of intellectual history that you mentioned early on in the book, and you mentioned the influence of R.J. Collingwood, the famous British idealist philosopher. Can you kind of explain explain that, like why you chose this approach and the influence of Collingwood on your work? Yes, uh, for my uh, for my PhD research, I uh, uh, had the uh, good uh, fortune to to research in uh, Cambridge, uh, uh, England. And there uh, I worked with uh, Istvan Hunt, who was uh, a member of the so-called Cambridge uh, History of Political Thought. 
And it was in, in that context that uh, I realized the importance of this uh, methodology that uh, Collingwood describes in his autobiography, which is that uh, if you want to understand uh, political texts, uh, political ideas written in, into these texts, uh, the, the way to do it is to try to uh, recapitulate, uh, reconstruct uh, the questions that they try to answer. So it's not that... Uh, all of them would uh, uh, try to answer the same question, what is just, what is uh, fair, what is um, a fruitful uh, political community. But in each and every case, there are different questions that uh, the authors try to uh, understand and answer. And if we want to um, uh, interpret their ideas, we have to uh, 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 find the roots, to find the right uh, questions that they try to answer. That's that's the methodological point that I uh, wanted to uh, follow. Now, part of this, you kind of talk about the difference between the concept of civitas and herbs, spelled U-R-B-S, which for many American uh, listeners, they will probably understand it like with suburbs where we get that term from and of course when i read that part of the book uh civitas i kind of thought civitas day you know saint augustine's famous books the city of god which kind of relates to this concept of the book uh can you explain like what the distinction is between those two Yes, indeed. And, and I think the, the two points that you made, uh, the, the, the understanding of, of these terms uh, might be helpful. So it's not, not uh, too far away from the, uh, the original distinction that they served. Um, uh, when we talk about a city, uh, it, let's compare it to a computer. A computer has a hardware and a software, the, the, the mechanical parts, the, the, the physical parts of it and uh, the, the 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 you know the essence the substance the 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 the, the software that runs uh, uh, that computer and the same way uh, a city uh, has the hardware which is uh, uh, the urbs uh, so the uh, uh, architectural environment the built environment that uh, we look around and see there and uh, but that's only only the, the framework. Uh, you you need something else there, and that's that's uh, the kivitas or civitas, uh, depending on how you pronounce it. That's a, a Latin term, ancient Roman Latin term, uh, which uh, means uh, the the inhabitants of that uh, herbs, the, the the inhabitants of the the city, who are you know the the software of of this uh, hardware. And or, or or to use another uh, parallel, we can uh, compare it to the uh, dualist account of of Descartes, who speaks about the human being as a body and a soul. Once again, Urs is the body, and and Kivitas or Sivitas is the soul of of the human being. Is that helpful to explain? Yeah, that's very helpful to explain and answers the question very well. Now, you also talk about Jean-Jacques Rousseau, the 18th century philosopher who wrote The Social Contract. And during this time, he kind of made this distinction, and you talk about this in relationship to his native Geneva, which he kind of idolized as a, you know, almost like an austere uh, Spartan-like city which also was inspired by his writing, his readings of Plutarch on the ancient Spartans that helped him. And that's kind of related to this concept that you talk about in the book. Sure. Uh, you know, uh, Rousseau was uh, the, the most famous uh, citizen of Geneva, the Swiss uh, town. 
Swiss, uh, French Swiss uh, town. And um, uh, his relationship to his uh, hometown was somewhat ambiguous because he left the town early on and went to Paris and, and made uh, 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 quite a big career and uh, became uh, famous. But uh, he had a kind of um, um, conflict in the court of, uh, of um, uh, France and in Versailles in particular. And uh, he thought that uh, it, it would be better to, to uh, get back to the origins, to, to, to try to, to return to home like a prodigal son to Geneva, but uh, the citizens of Geneva were not really friendly with them. One should be aware that Geneva is, of course, uh, the, 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 the Calvinist headquarter, the, 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 the city of Jean Calvin. And, of course, that is uh, very important in the, in the past of this uh, city. But the concept that uh, uh, Rousseau works out on this, uh, based on these uh, uh, experiences is a concept of direct democracy. So the idea is that uh, the court of uh, uh, Versailles and the French court is uh, uh, unjust because uh, the king is too far away from the citizens and uh, and um, um, therefore there is no direct uh, um, face-to-face uh, knowledge between the two and that's, that's the cause of all the uh, um, uh, this uh, handling and this management of the uh, country. So uh, the ideal would be to return to a face-to-face society like uh, Geneva, where traditionally, or well, as as far as the legends uh, went, um, uh, citizens uh, gathered together uh, on the main square or in the in the on the hill of of the uh, city, and uh, and they decided uh, the the major issues whether to go on war with uh, the neighboring city or whether to um, uh, start a new venture or anything like that. They decided together. Um, uh, to uh, to uh, go uh, along the general will, the volonté générale, that was uh, all important, which is a compared, uh, which is a term which can be compared to the common good in in the Christian tradition, uh, and of course the common good is a concept that we. Uh, in in modern um, representative democracies also uh, find fruitful and important. The difference is that we um, uh, try to find what is uh, uh, actually in accordance with the common good through our representatives, while Rousseau wanted to find it through direct democracy, everyone taking part in the decision. Now, you make mention of this transition from, quote, the concept of politics to that of the reason of state. Can you explain this further? Yes. This is um, a term that I take from Maurizio Viroli, the, the, the famous uh, political theorist uh, and, um, and um, uh, historian of political thought. Uh, the distinction is this. Uh, originally, uh, people thought that, uh, that uh, uh, politics is a matter of virtue. I, we will have a good uh, political community, a good policy, uh, if we have virtuous leaders. So the main issue seemed to be that uh, politics should be about um, uh, the character of the uh, leader, about excellence, uh, the, the virtues of the uh, leader. Uh, but, but from the 16th, uh, 17th century, from the time of Jean Baudin in France and, and Thomas Hobbes uh, in Britain, 
the idea came that, well, uh, we cannot really trust um, uh, that uh, our leaders would be virtuous. Sometimes they are, but most of the time they aren't. So we need something, um, um, a stronger guarantee to, to avoid the, uh, the, you know, the, the pitfalls of, of uh, bad leaders bad leadership and and uh, the uh, idea was to have an institutional framework which will uh, uh, assure that uh, it cannot happen and that's uh, uh, how uh, the idea of a virtuous leader of uh, politics uh, 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 done by by the virtuous leaders uh, had to uh, give way to uh, the reason of state, to the state as an institutional arrangement, which has to run smoothly, uh, not depending on the virtues of the leaders, uh, independently who will run it. It should uh, run along uh, the rules, the laws that uh, determine uh, its its, uh, workings. Now, in the early 20th century, how did European intellectuals deal with the issue of the city as important to the human experience? And you provide many examples of this in your book. Indeed, uh, because I was born in the 20th century, I am from those people who remember those days. Uh, In fact, I was born in a communist country, and that's very important for me as well, um, because uh, of the special uh, experience of a totalitarian state, uh, which uh, makes... uh, uh, you know, politics even more important than in a, um, an ordinary uh, democracy. But uh, but the 20th century is important for me because it's uh, in a way the dead end, the deadlock of of European politics, uh, and that was a reason why people tried to uh, uh, make. Uh, uh, you know, a new start. Uh, after the First World War in particular, there were uh, great efforts to try to avoid uh, the pitfalls. We know that it uh, did not succeed and uh, the Second World War was um, uh, a, a clear uh, conclusion that that comes from the, the, the mistaken uh, treaties of uh, uh, Versailles and uh, Trianon. But but my my guide the the examples that I take in those um, uh, years are um, people like Max Weber the the scientist um, uh, the social scientist and and, and legal expert and economic uh, thinker as well as Thomas Mann uh, who was um, a, a writer a writer of novels the two of them represent two ways of uh, what I uh, think is the best tradition of German. Bürgerlichkeit. Now, this is a term that I need to explain for English-speaking um, uh, audience. Um, uh, the burger or the, the Bürger in, in German is um, the city dweller who is uh, uh, aware of uh, uh, the tradition that uh, he or she is part of and who is proud of that tradition and who tries to live uh, in accordance to the best uh, standards of that tradition. And that's what... Uh, uh, Thomas Mann uh, uh, wrote in his uh, first major book, uh, Budenbrook House, uh, the House of Budenbrooks, and also uh, what uh, uh, Max Weber uh, tried to theorize in in his uh, book on 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 capitalism as as a specific uh, ethics, the 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 ethics of uh, capitalism, which is. Uh, 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 you know, Protestantism. The, uh, uh, his idea was that, well, Protestantism is uh, a very uh, a rational way to, to, to handle public affairs and also to, to make uh, good fortunes. So it's, it's both 
fruitful uh, for the individual and good for the community. And what uh, Max Weber tried to show that this Protestant uh, capitalist uh, ethos was some, not something uh, so new as, as some other people tried to argue for, but that it is a continuation of the medieval Christian tradition. So that's, that's the basic point that the European city is not a Protestant invention. Uh, the Protestant cities, uh, German cities, are uh, perhaps the best uh, working examples of, of, uh, of that tradition, but it goes back to the medieval Christian tradition. Yeah, and you provide a very rich history of your native city of Budapest, and perhaps maybe you can uh, explain how Budapest represents the meaning of the city in European history, as you do in the book. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's very important for me. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, I try to build on my own personal experience as well, because I think that history writing uh, should be honest, that, that the historian has to uh, uh, you know, share um, or show the cards that he is playing with. So uh, Budapest is, uh, is the capital of Hungary in, in Central Europe, and uh, it uh, has two parts, Buda and Pest. That's why it's called Budapest. And these two parts has two different um, backgrounds. Uh, Buda was the royal seat of, of the Hungarian kingdom. So that's a very uh, uh, elitist, uh, uh, traditional city uh, dating back uh, to the 13th century at least because uh, the Tatar invasion destroyed it and then the new uh, arrangement was to, to build uh, huge walls around uh, Buda and that's uh, how it developed. It was a, a castle defended by a castle, the royal castle, and it was uh, um, uh, a royal seat, uh, the center of power. On the other side of the Danube, because the city was uh, uh, settled uh, around the Danube or along the Danube, the lines of the Danube, uh, uh, was Pest, which was a market town and an industrial center as well. It was established somewhat later, and um, the way that people uh, lived there was very different. They were uh, uh, actually both uh, sides of the city um, were inhabited by German-speaking people, so not uh, uh, native Hungarian-speaking uh, people, but um, Germans. And so they brought uh, to Hungary the German tradition uh, of, uh, of urban citizenship. And, and uh, there were these two traditions, and when uh, the two sides of the city uh, got uh, united uh, uh, at the uh, uh, during the time of the dual monarchy when Austria and Hungary joined the forces or at least had the same uh, king, um, uh, Franz Josef. Uh, in that time, Budapest became a, a very powerful uh, urban center and uh, and um, uh, a central city of uh, of not only the Hungarian kingdom but Central Europe as such. And even today, you see those um, uh, buildings and infrastructure that were built by our forefathers. I think that's very important in in European cities that we have got. The, 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 ur the urban remnants, the, the uh, sites that uh, uh, belong to an earlier age, and it reminds us of the way our uh, forefathers uh, lived their lives there. Now, earlier you just mentioned about the Ber the Berges, uh, and you kind of talk about this, like how important were the middle classes or the bourgeoisie, to use the French term, to the development of European cities. Can you explain this? Yes, uh, 
uh, I, I would explain it the following way. Uh, uh, during the, the centuries uh, uh, in the Middle Ages and the early modern period, what we learn in, in uh, our history books is the, the stories of uh, royal families, uh, uh, monarchs and their uh, misdeeds, uh, their uh, struggles, their uh, falls uh, and, and all that, and also uh, the sufferings of the poor. But there was a middle stratum, uh, the, the burghers, the bourgeoisie, uh, the, the urban dwellers. And we do not learn enough of them, I would uh, say, uh, partly because they are in the background. They, they don't make, uh, you know, uh, national politics or, or uh, European uh, politics. Uh, and, we, uh, and, and they don't suffer enough uh, to, to call uh, the attention of, of the historian to themselves. But uh, the, the idea is that uh, Europe uh, uh, did, would not have uh, such a marvelous network of uh, urban centers and urban um, uh, um, um, coalitions and, and partnership uh, without uh, this uh, specific way of life and mentality and, uh, and ethos that, that belongs to the burghers, to the middle classes, and that's why uh, from the 19th uh, century, there is an ideology uh, which looks back on the Middle Ages and the uh, early modern period and tries to revitalize uh, the, uh, the urban tradition of Europe in order to, to, to try to, to, to give an alternative to, to the, the mainstream uh, politics of uh, power politics and reason of state. And I think that it still has a relevance in, in uh, our present-day context. So my book is not simply a historical reconstruction, uh, something that is uh, in- interesting for archaeologists or whatever. But I think that uh, this book is uh, 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 of primary importance for political philosophy of our present-day concerns as well. Now, another important element was uh, religion, and more specifically, Christianity to the history and culture of European cities. Can you explain this? Yes, uh, a very important question. Thanks for for, uh, uh, calling attention to it. Um, Yes, indeed, if we look at um, the uh, uh, cityscape, uh, at the uh, visual uh, uh, representation of cities, what we always find in the center is uh, one or two towers which belong to the church, the main church or the cathedral of the city. Uh, and that is because uh, the cities, uh, since uh, at least the Roman times, but earlier on as well, even in, in the uh, Greek context, um, uh, the, the city was uh, uh, um, uh, surrounded, uh, the, the city surrounded um, a major temple or a major church, uh, even, even in the Jewish tradition, the, the, the Church of Jerusalem. So that's, that's a very important European tradition, uh, the church. Um, uh, and and the the, the, the religious uh, site uh, uh, organizes and orders the city around itself, and that's very uh, important because it it determines the way of life. If you look, uh, for example, at the the marvelous uh, uh, paintings of of Florence, what you see is two huge towers. Um, uh, one is the tower of the cathedral. Uh, the other one uh, is. Uh, is the tower of the old tower, uh, uh, old ha- uh, town hall, and uh, these two towers are, you know, 
apparently competing. So that there is a, 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 a competition, a rivalry between um, the um, earthly power and the divine uh, power within the, the city. But uh, originally that was a, a, a cooperation. The, the church uh, established the, um, the, 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 the status of the, of the city and and uh, and ordered uh, around itself uh, um, uh, the life of the citizens and that uh, meant that uh, the the civil power was uh, uh, under major uh, uh, influence from from the uh, spiritual uh, center now you talk about the connection between the rise of european cities and the growth of travel literature in the early modern age can you explain this as well yes uh, uh, to understand uh, uh, the, the European dimension of what I am talking, I need uh, to to bring in the geographic element. Uh, Europe is a, a, a huge area, uh, uh, and uh, a lot of uh, different uh, uh, countries, different uh, cultures uh, uh, inhabit it. But uh, my point is to try to show the similarities, uh, uh, even though. I acknowledge the differences as well uh, in the urban traditions of this uh, area. And the way to do that is uh, to, to make use of the historical uh, sources of um, uh, the uh, travelers. And the most importantly, the travel literature of uh, young people who went to study abroad uh, um, to uh, the famous universities of Europe, because another important um, factor of urban life in Europe is education, educational institutions that uh, bring people uh, to the uh, city from uh, faraway countries. And we have got a lot of good material of, of travel literatures which uh, uh, compare different uh, uh, traditions, b- different cultures, different uh, uh, localities. And that uh, provides us uh, uh, a good uh, um, a standard uh, to try to understand the differences and the similarities. In a way, it compares to Aristotle's uh, uh, major uh, project of uh, collecting the uh, constitutions of uh, the Greek world, of the Greek uh, 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 city-states, uh, in order to find the, 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 the uh, internal logic of uh, of the life of the police the same way the travel literature allows us to to try to understand the ideal type of the european city uh, notwithstanding the differences but focusing on the similarities or the or the major core uh, ideas that that build up uh, the cities now moving to uh, Italy, uh, you talk a lot about the significance of cities in medieval Italy, and especially with the communes. Can you explain this? Yes, uh, uh, the Italian city-state is uh, the other major form beside the German model, which is the northern model. Uh, we have got a southern European model, and that's the Italian city-state. Uh, we are speaking at in, uh, about it in the Christian context. The ancient world had Greece and Rome, and the modern uh, urban uh, uh, experience is that of the German city uh, and that of the Italian city. And the Italian city uh, was... Uh, uh, you know, close to the Roman tradition in Italy, in the, in the Roman Empire. 
actually, <laughs> the funny thing is that in the medieval time, the Holy Roman Empire did not mean only the Italian peninsula, but also the German territories. So in a way, the two uh, um, uh, experience was not so far away from each other, but still there were differences. And the Italian city-state has this difference that uh, it was further away from, uh, from the uh, uh, court and, and the uh, uh, feudal uh, uh, leadership, uh, the the the, the uh, uh, earthly leadership, but closer to Rome and um, and the spiritual leadership. But what uh, the Italian city states uh, w- were experiencing with was uh, the Republic, uh, the, the 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 Roman example of the early Roman ex- example of the Republic, which means a rule by the many, uh, according to the Aristotelian Ciceronian scheme. And and in this respect, uh, there are two uh, paradigms, uh, the Florentine and the Venetian uh, example. The Florentine one is a, is a, a more uh, a radical uh, 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 Republican experience, including the uh, general idea of the popolo, of the middle classes. Uh, but uh, it was uh, a very, very uh, uh, tense and, and painful, conflictual experience because uh, of the of the aristocrats who uh, moved in from the outside territories and that's where, why we have to talk about the commune which is uh, the territory including the city and the external um, uh, territories outside of the walls of the city which belonged still to the city where the aristocrats uh, had their uh, villas and and and, and uh, castles and so there is this uh, tense, uh, conflictual nature of the uh, Florentine ex- example, while the, the Venetian example is a more stable one. Why? Because there, the, there was a division of labor, so to say, or um, it was a kind of a mixed uh, constitution with the doge at the, the top of it, with the, the council uh, representing the few or the uh, aristocrats and the many uh, as well in, with the General Assembly. So that was a more uh, a balanced uh, picture and therefore a more fruitful and more peaceful uh, experience. Now, how did this later emerge in the city-states of the Renaissance era? And you talked about uh, the Florentine example, and I know Niccolo Machiavelli talks a lot about this in his writings, both The Prince and especially Discourse on Livy. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, uh, Machiavelli is perhaps the greatest uh, um, uh, and most uh, well-known example of uh, trying to, to draw the political conclusions of the uh, Florentine experience. And the interesting thing about it is that he has these two different uh, visions that he provides. One, um, the, the, the Republican experience, uh, uh, which he takes from the discourses of, uh, of Livy, which is um, the, the, the Republican experience, the experience of uh, the rule of the popolo. But um, it fell. And, and he, uh, as, a, as a secretary of that uh, republic, uh, also lost uh, uh, his position. And he tried to come back to in politics by serving the Medicis, uh, who took uh, the power uh, in Florence. And, and in, for that reason, he wrote uh, The Prince, uh, um, which is um, a short treatise uh, advising uh, how to rule Florence uh, by a single uh, ruler, by a, a prince uh, uh, alone. And that's uh, where people think that, uh, well, he in a way betrayed uh, the earlier 
friends and and uh, citizens of Florence and gave way to uh, to to uh, tyrannic rule. But the idea is that um, this. Uh, uh, imbalanced and um, fragile um, uh, constitutional structure that was uh, uh, so uh, uh, characteristic of the Florentine experience had to give way to something more stable. And in fact, uh, uh, the, the leadership that was uh, offered uh, by the prince was uh, a guarantee for a, a, a more stable uh, format. And in fact, it, uh, it uh, uh, prepared the way for um, uh, the European experience of uh, uh, of a rule by an absolutist ruler, which will be the the major uh, 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 continental experience of the early modern period. Now, what led to the decline of the city states as a viable political entity in Renaissance uh, Italy? Well, as I mentioned, this uh, problem of fragility and and imbalance was a crucial factor. But there is an, another one, which is um, the importance of uh, technology. We, we know, all know that technology can determine uh, success. So if we look at the Ukrainian war, what we see is that the technologies compete with each other. And the same is true about the early modern period, which was a very uh, troubled uh, area. A lot of wars, including the Thirty Years' War, when, when the whole of Europe was in war for 30 years. I just imagine that uh, uh, way of life and, and experience. And the result of that was that we need uh, peace. Uh, that was uh, uh, the Beast of Westphalia. And uh, we need a, a, a well-structured European uh, uh, agreement uh, how how to run our countries. And the way to do that was to uh, have uh, uh, rulers, uh, monarchs, uh, uh, and uh, 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 ruling families who will uh, uh, rule over a certain territory uh, with the help of the new technology of the uh, uh, fire gun and and uh, and the powder, which which helped uh, uh, to to take over um, uh, the the castles uh, and the the, the walled uh, uh, cities, and which allowed uh, uh, the kings, like the king of France, uh, to rule a whole uh, uh, huge area, like like France, the kingdom of France. Now, we've been talking about Italy. Now we're moving a little north to the Holy Roman Empire, which is centered around the German-speaking lands, also includes uh, Hungary and uh, what is now the Czech Republic and Slovakia. Now, how did the cities uh, and urban cities, uh, urban uh, urban areas, operate within the Holy Roman Empire? And we're kind of specifically talking about the late medieval and Renaissance periods, kind of parallel to uh, the Italian experience that we just discussed. Yes, uh, uh, the interesting thing is that, of course, the Holy Ro- Roman Empire was uh, built on the later Roman experience uh, of the uh, rule of an emperor, uh, like like Augustus uh, uh, or Julius Caesar, that sort of um, powerful individual who uh, controls uh, the whole um, uh, area, the whole empire. Uh, but uh, it did not work uh, uh, as uh, well as uh, in in the heydays or the, the flourishing uh, golden age of of uh, uh, the, the the Roman Empire. And what uh, was the outcome of that was a kind of uh, well uh, <laughs> a very fruitful, uh, unbalanced, uh, and uh, anarchic situation in in the medieval Holy Roman Empire. The emperor was not 
powerful enough and therefore uh, uh, the smaller uh, princes and also the individual cities and uh, and uh, principalities uh, had uh, uh, you know a space to maneuver in and that meant that there were uh, parallel uh, experiences uh, of uh, of uh, um, uh, taking care of our own uh, uh, community alone without uh, uh, in external uh, intrusion and uh, that is why uh, the German cities uh, became so fruitful and they were uh, basically interested in uh, in trade and uh, industry and they took care of of their internal affairs and they paid a certain tax to an, an external ruler a prince or or the or or the emperor himself and as a uh, as a uh, uh, as a prize for their independence or or uh, semi-autonomous status, so that was a, a good deal for them, and they were ready to pay that uh, price. And as a result, uh, uh, there was no uh, real uh, uh, central power uh, uh, which which could have united the area. There was no German kingdom. You know, Germany united only in the late 19th century. As is the case with Italy, actually. So in Italy, it was neither possible to unite all these minor autonomous cities, and and the same is true about Germany, uh, that the, the king was or the emperor was not uh, powerful enough. And actually, Hungary is an exceptional case because it did not actually join uh, the 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 Holy Roman Empire. Why? Because the Hungarian uh, uh, kingdom uh, uh, had its own constitutional tradition and and uh, and basically uh, hungarians did not uh, speak any of the germanic languages so there was a cultural difference as well and that's very interesting uh, also the protestant uh, movement uh, uh, had its impact on it but uh, but basically uh, the holy roman empire um, became the laboratory for urban experience because of the lack of a centralized uh, power which could have uh, uh, taken over those um, uh, uh, political uh, uh, control uh, over the territory. Now, you just mentioned the Reformation, and how did that and also the later wars of religion, like the Thirty Years' War that were in the 16th and 17th century, how did this affect the power dynamics for the cities within the Holy Roman Empire? Well, uh, I mentioned this uh, duality, the spiritual and the earthly power. And uh, traditionally, it was, of course, the Roman um, uh, Church, which was the, uh, which became the Catholic Church uh, after the Reformation. Uh, the Reformation brought with it a new idea of the relationship between the two. The idea was that, well, Rome is a corrupt, uh, corrupt uh, place, so let us uh, not uh, give way to its power. And let us uh, uh, choose our own priests uh, or, um, uh, or our own uh, uh, spiritual leaders. And the, the example here is, as I mentioned, uh, Calvin's Geneva. But there is another one, of course, uh, Luther's uh, example. Luther was um, uh, more, uh, uh, you know, tradition-minded, and therefore he was not so uh, radical as as Calvin was, who uh, took over power, uh, took the power over uh, Geneva. And he became, uh, you know, not only the spiritual leader, but also the the, the worldly leader, the, the secular leader of of uh, Geneva. And the Protestant city has this um, uh, 
relationship between the spiritual and the earthly power that uh, they uh, try to uh, unite the two. Another example is um, uh, Johannes Althusius, who was a famous uh, political thinker of the late 16th century and who uh, was invited to Emden, which is a, a, a city in the north of uh, Germany, close to the uh, Dutch uh, territories. Uh, and uh, there, uh, Althusius, who was a, a, a Uh, you know, a political philosopher like me. And he was invited there and he took over uh, the power over there because they thought that, well, he, he knows the theory. He, he must be very good in, in the practice of it. And that's what he did. And add to that, that he was, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, aware of the influence of spirituality on, on political matters. So he became also the spiritual leader of the city and, and joined the two. And in this way, he, he was uh, 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 controlling the city for decades. Uh, and, and indeed, it was a very fruitful uh, leadership uh, that, that he uh, uh, provided. And that's uh, why we can say that the Protestant uh, experience is a very uh, uh, efficient uh, uh, cohabitation of the spiritual and the earthly power. Now, at this time, we also see the rise of modern nation-states, and how did that affect cities during the 16th and 17th century? And I know you mentioned briefly uh, France. I know that kind of had an, uh, an effect on it because the Huguenots were able, the French Protestants were able to kind of have almost their own, their own autonomy because they were able to withstand the, the Catholic forces uh, for you know, decades. But then, of course, later on, the state was able to kind of assert its control and mm -hmm. even impose Catholicism. Indeed, uh, the French, uh, as I mentioned, these uh, decades from the, the rise of um, the Protestantism until the Peace of Westphalia was very, uh, you know, bloody in, in, in Europe because they had to, uh, to, 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 uh, take uh, those uh, battles uh, and, and decide who is the stronger one. And um, what happens is that uh, in France, uh, this uh, war of religion between the Catholics as, and the Huguenots led um, uh, to the uh, understanding that, well, uh, uh, the Catholic Church uh, uh, should support the court and the court should take advantage of the support of the uh, Catholic Church. And that meant that uh, they were very, very... Uh, 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 well, brutal with the, with the Huguenots, and uh, that resulted in uh, the, the the rise on a, of an absolutist ruler who wants to control everything and and decide um, the faith of the of of the citizens. You know, so the earthly power taking over spiritual um, authority and um, deciding the fate of 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 uh, the nation, and that. Uh, uh, was uh, theoretically supported by the idea of sovereignty uh, of by by the, the um, uh, writer uh, Jean Baudin, who took it uh, this notion over from um, spiritual uh, uh, authority and uh, used it for the concept of uh, 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 state power. Um, the idea was that uh, to avoid uh, uh, civil war to avoid the religious wars uh, in, in France, the war of uh, religions, um, we need a, an all-powerful monopoly of power, and that's uh, sovereignty. The monopoly of power of a single center or a single agent 
over the, the citizens, uh, the inhabitants of a whole territory. And that's the modern concept of the state. Uh, if we take uh, uh, this uh, center, the court, and uh, substitute it with, uh, with the, uh, the, the, the parliamentary system, even today, uh, Western democracies are uh, based on that notion that we have got a, an all-powerful monopoly uh, uh, of uh, power in the center, and nobody else uh, can uh, uh, contradict what, uh, what is determined uh, in the center. Now moving now moving from like the early modern period we move back to ancient history and what is the significance of the Greek concept of the polis to understand European history and European cities because the polis was the city state of the mm-hmm. Greeks at that time mm-hmm. yes uh- uh, it's it's funny that we are moving back. Perhaps uh, people can ask uh, why why in that direction, um, but that's because, uh, um, as I mentioned uh, uh, with Collingwood, you have to uh, you know uh, dig back or or try to find uh, the roots of of the phenomenon that uh, that you are dealing with, and the roots of the urban experience is in Greece and uh, in 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 Rome. And that experience is uh, the experience of uh, a small community, a face-to-face community, as uh, the theory uh, uh, calls it. Why? Because the citizens knew each other uh, by face. Uh, you know, they, they met uh, each other on a daily basis and they, everyone knew everyone. So it was a small community of, like in a, a small uh, middle-sized city between uh, 50,000 uh, to 100,000 people. And, and um, the idea was that all of those who live in a certain territory and who have got um, a property in that territory uh, have a say in, in the, uh, in the uh, handling of affairs of, of that uh, uh, community. Each and everyone is responsible. And uh, the major experience... Uh, or, or how we can ex- imagine it is uh, to recall the ancient Greek uh, uh, tradition of uh, uh, theater going. Uh, if uh, you were in, in, in Athens, you see that uh, huge uh, open-air theater uh, on the Acropolis, uh, which is uh, the place where uh, uh, these uh, uh, nice uh, tragedies were performed uh, for the citizens, and all the male citizens had to be present uh, at these uh, uh, presentations, at these performances. Why? Because it was kind of a, a citizen's uh, obligation, uh, the duty of the citizen uh, to, to be together with the others, and, and they experience uh, the, uh, the, uh, the conflicts, uh, the the, uh, uh, the major issues that are brought up uh, by politics and uh, the Greek tragedies are about uh, political uh, conflicts and 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 uh, uh, unresolved tensions within the city. And uh, the same way, um, the uh, assemblies uh, uh, of uh, the citizens decided uh, both in political affairs, so the the administration of the city, and also in in legal affairs, there was no uh, professional court uh, to, to decide um, uh, uh, legal disputes. Uh, so the citizens together decided those issues. So that's a common, uh, an experience of, of a community uh, uh, deciding together. That's, that's the crucial uh, experience that we bring uh, from the police uh, uh, of the uh, Greek city-state. 
Now, it was from this experience of the polis that Aristotle kind of derived a lot of his theories of politics. It's almost like the basic uh, unit of uh, politics that he deals with in politics. Can you uh, explain this and more specifically how he even dealt with the Athenian uh, version of the polis? Yes, uh... Uh, Aristotle uh, had uh, two experiences, actually. Uh, he was the teacher of uh, Alexander the Great, uh, who uh, became one of the uh, uh, emperors of, of uh, Macedonia. So it means that uh, he knew, he was aware of a, a very different uh, um, uh, political uh, tradition, the political tradition of empire. But uh, he does not uh, describe that. Why? Because he thought that uh, an, a more important uh, example is that of Athens. Um, he was not an Athenian, uh, but, uh, but he appreciated the Athenian ex- experience, and in particular, the, the short period when uh, democracy was uh, in power, uh, led by Pericles, whom he did not like personally, but whom he admired as a, a political leader. And what was uh, this um, uh, uh, short period uh, uh, characterized uh, uh, like by, by, by Aristotle? Uh, he called it uh, uh, the ideal situation, not because of uh, the, simply the democratic element in it. You know that uh, he made this distinction of three forms of uh, constitutional rule, the rule of uh, one, uh, monarchy, the rule of the few, aristocracy, and the rule of many, democracy. And in fact, uh, he thought that uh, democracy is the worst of the three. But um, uh, the Athenian example was not a a simple uh, democracy, but a, a kind of a combination of different elements, and most importantly, a combination of aristocracy and uh, and democracy and uh, uh, democracy in the good sense so politeia which means that uh, the uh, the many took responsibility uh, uh, in public affairs but also there were certain functions which belonged to the aristocratic element uh, to the few and uh, this combination they could in a way control each other so neither of them could uh, become uh, stronger and Pericles was uh, the individual leader so there is leadership as well over there so and that is uh, what uh, Cicero will call a mixed constitution in which all the three elements are there. And and your founding fathers, the founding fathers of the American constitution will, uh, you know, uh, uh, take this example uh, when they were uh, building up uh, uh, the the constitutional framework of the, the, the magnanimity uh, of, of the uh, American uh, Republic, i.e. to have uh, uh, the, the president, uh, the, the Senate, and, and the assembly, the, the, uh, the, the representative uh, House of Representatives. Yeah, House of Representatives, and then also the judicial, uh, and also you know, the, yes, yeah, the division of yeah, the power and, then, and then the separation of, of powers as well. Yeah. So, uh, what was what is also the significance of uh, Rome's republican tradition to the history of European cities? You also talk about this, especially with Cicero's theories. Yes, uh, partly because Cicero was uh, uh, influential in in, in uh, translating and and mediating the Greek experience for Europe, and partly because he adds a further dimension to it. 
Uh, Aristotle uh, was a great uh, scientist, so he has got a lot of different works and partly, uh, only partly dealing with politics. He was not a politician. Cicero was a politician, so he has uh, a direct experience of, of running a city. Uh, and 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 uh, you know the risks and difficulties of running uh, a city, even if it's so uh, flourishing as Rome was. But he has got an, a further uh, uh, achievement, which is to combine um, politics uh, with culture, uh, and that will be very important in the in the uh, uh, urban experience of Europe. I that uh, politics uh, needs uh, uh, self restraint. Uh, and the virtues uh, uh, within not only uh, the the leaders of the city, but in each and every citizen. Uh, And uh, what is required from the citizen is not simply to take part in the decision-making process, but also uh, to to work on themselves, to uh, educate themselves, uh, to cultivate their mind. Uh, culture is, means in, 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 in the, the, the Latin, uh, the cultivation of one's mind. And that's uh, why uh, it, is, uh, it becomes crucial that a good leader and a well-organized uh, 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 and well-governed uh, 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 city uh, needs uh, uh, citizens who are responsible uh, for their uh, city and also who cultivate uh, their virtues and this way uh, make sure that uh, their decisions will be the right one. Because democracy, you know, is uh, uh, not a a perfect system. When many people decide, uh, as we see uh, in uh, popular culture, uh, like in in voting in in, uh, these uh, uh, TV shows, you see that uh, sometimes uh, the choice of the many is not always the best one. So you have to be uh, careful how to uh, how to channel uh, that uh, the decision, and the way to do it is to cultivate the mind of the citizen, the the voter or the uh, participants of the public decision making process, and that means that uh, no uh, republic, no uh, police, uh, no uh, city, uh, no urbs can work properly without um, uh, the cultivated uh, citizenry. Uh, the, the 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 kivitas uh, part needs to have uh, members uh, who are uh, uh, cultured who have got a decorum that's that's the idea uh, of uh, cicero that uh, you are not only uh, clever in the prudential sense of the word but you are also wise in the in the philosophical or cultural sense of the word now, is there any type of contrast between the Roman Republic as a concept and the Greek polis? Yes, uh, most importantly, uh, between uh, between Rome and Sparta. We did not speak about Sparta, which was the other major city in, in Greece, which was, in fact, a military state, uh, one could say. And uh, in an important sense... Uh, uh, Rome uh, uh, was uh, um, an inheritor of that tradition. The Roman uh, citizen had to be a, a soldier, and they took their sons with them uh, for the, uh, to 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 get experience in battles uh, uh, side by side with the, with their uh, fathers, in order to become good soldiers. But that's not enough. It's not enough to be strong and and uh, and. Uh, 
a good soldier. What you need to do is uh, also to cultivate uh, your mind, as I said, and that's the Athenian example. So what happens in Rome is to kind of combine the two experiences, to combine the military effort and also uh, the, uh, the, the, uh, the experience of the uh, culturally uh, polished uh, city. And that experience comes back in the early modern, already in the Renaissance Italy. We, we know that um, uh, Renaissance Florence, for example, was the cultural center of that uh, period. And that also comes back in the, in the uh, Enlightenment ideals uh, uh, and also, uh, again, uh, in the American founding fathers' ideas of uh, of not only having uh, you know good uh, good um, soldiers but also to educate uh, uh, the, the the minds of the, the people so had to have good uh, higher educational institutional um, uh, structures. Yes, and uh, even Machiavelli, who we discussed earlier, who was from Florence, uh, he even wrote a book, The Art of War, and he made this really strong connection, like how you should have citizen soldiers, not mercenaries, yeah, defend your... Indeed. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, militias uh, and all that. And he makes... And the first book of The Art of War is uh, talking about this close connection yeah. between proper citizenship and, uh, you know, warrior skills and being prepared for defense. That's right. And that's the same uh, in the in the Swiss experience or the Dutch experience. Remember um, uh, uh, the, the famous painting by, by Rembrandt about the, the night watch, uh, you know, the citizens uh, um, taking the arms and... and uh, uh, walking around the walls of the city, uh, and they, and even today the, the the Israeli example is the same uh, tradition that that uh, each of every citizen has to take care of, of the uh, you know of the uh, security of of their uh, state. That's the same experience. Now, uh, what was the legacy of Greece and uh, Rome, the urban culture that we've been discussing in the later Christian Europe of the medieval period? And I know, for example, with Aristotle, you know, St. Thomas Aquinas was very deeply influenced and even his political treatises address these uh, types of questions, too. Yes, uh, Aristotle uh, had to be uh, Christianized and that was uh, achieved by, by Aquinas. Uh, and uh, indeed, uh, that's that's very important. But uh, uh, there are different uh, ways uh, to channel the Aristotelian uh, tradition and the Platonic tradition. And beside the, the scholastic tra- uh, uh, reception, uh, like that of of Saint uh, Thomas of Aquinas, we have got the Renaissance humanist. Uh, uh, reception uh, of of the Aristotelian uh, tradition, which uh, actually comes through Islamic sources, uh, re, re uh, discovery of the Islamic uh, um, uh, uh, translations of Aristotelian texts. A very uh, uh, interesting channel. But uh, the important thing is that uh, although uh, the early modern period. Uh, uh, realized that Aristotle's uh, natural science uh, is not uh, uh, the perfect one, and the new uh, uh, model of uh, scientific discovery uh, has better results. Uh, yet uh, Aristotle's ideas of um, morality and uh, political affairs is uh, still uh, relevant, and uh, even the 20th century uh, is uh, uh, experiencing a return to this. Uh, uh, earlier model uh, when uh, when uh, moral philosophy 
comes to a deadlock, uh, then uh, uh, in the uh, six, 1960s uh, to the 1980s, uh, this new discovery of what is called virtue ethics uh, uh, brings back Aristotelian ideas uh, in the 20th century. So there, is, there are different waves and different channels how Aristotle uh, uh, is uh, uh, re uh, uh, utilized in the uh, uh, Christian and then in the secular uh, uh, European and Western uh, um, uh, political uh, uh, ideas uh, and political history. Yeah, Alistair uh, McIntyre in After Virtue was really important in that in, in the, uh, in Renaissance in the 1980s. And even I have met colleagues from uh, Japan and uh, Asia who are very interested in Aristotle uh, <laughs> at the current moment. Uh, so, so yeah, it's a it's a global Renaissance Indeed. of Aristotle, Indeed. and for study. good reason. So, <laughs> yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, uh, moving from ancient Greece and Rome and the medieval period to the uh, 19th century with the Industrial Revolution, that, of course, led to the rapid growth of cities in Europe. And what were some of the cultural and political uh, impacts of that process? Well, uh, uh, again, a technological uh, 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 break is uh, uh, coming. You know, the the Industrial Revolution, what is called the Industrial Revolution, is indeed a, a new technological paradigm um, introduced in Europe. And as a result, more people can live in smaller places. So that means that, uh, that the European centers like Paris or London uh, begin to grow in a fantastic speed. And that uh, results in a new um, urban uh, uh, phenomena. And in fact, uh, it results in a, in a decline of uh, civil virtues. Why? Because there are too many people uh, and they will not uh, be uh, you know, familiar with each other. Uh, it is the experience of the atomic uh, uh, individuality of, of the urban uh, dweller like that uh, described by Baudelaire in, in, in his poetry and in his um, uh, experiences as a flaneur, as a walker who walks in the night alone and, and uh, does not find a, a real friendship uh, in, in his environment. And that, that, is, uh, that is the experience of alienation, as, as described by Karl Marx, uh, the famous um, uh, political philosopher of, of uh, um, um, socialism. Uh, the idea is that uh, with, uh, with this uh, uh, developed capitalist uh, 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 economy, um, uh, the side effect is a loss of uh, uh, communal ties, a loss of... Uh, um, uh, uh, partnership, a loss of friendship. Uh, for Aristotle, friendship is crucial in the polis. And that is lost, and there is a crisis in, in the 19th century uh, urban experience. Now, in the first half of the 20th century, Europe was deeply impacted by both uh, the two world wars and also the rise of totalitarian ideologies like fascism, Nazism, and communism. And cities in numerous ways were important to these uh, processes. Can you explain how so? Yes, uh, we mentioned that in the 19th century context, it was this uh, industrial um, boom that, that um, brought uh, the, 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 the crisis. In the 20th century, it was politics that brought uh, the, the crisis. Uh, in what way? Um, 
the 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 traditional classical uh, liberal paradigm uh, was that uh, the market can solve all problems so sooner or later if we work hard and we sell um, uh, the products that uh, we uh, um, uh, create uh, then uh, everyone uh, will be happy and uh, and we can share uh, uh, good uh, good uh, incomes but that's not the case. Uh, the the late uh, 19th century brings uh, with it a new, uh, a new, uh, uh, huge uh, populations of of uh, the proletariat of of poor people, and that's uh, why the the the, the liberal uh, cause uh, seems to be lost. And two alternatives are offered. One is the left-wing radicalism of the communists, uh, like uh, Lenin uh, in, in, in Russia. Uh, and the other one is the right-wing um, uh, totalitarian uh, uh, experience, i.e. to force uh, the, the centralized power on, on, on the civil society uh, in the format of the Nazi experience of Mussolini and Hitler's experience of, uh, of, of Germany. And that uh, both of them... Uh, uh, the, the, the left wing and the right wing radicalism wanted to destroy uh, the the earlier uh, uh, architectural uh, environment, the uh, the the medieval and early modern uh, inheritance, and to be, rebuild uh, the, the the cities. Why? Because as we explain, uh, the hardware and the software are connected. We need uh, a new modern housing estates. That was the um, uh, communist idea. We need uh, glorious uh, imperial buildings. That was the, the the Nazi idea. And in both cases, the architecture uh, had uh, the function to uh, express uh, the ideology of of the state. And in both cases, the state destroyed what was uh, um, inherited and and tried to force on people uh, its own uh, will. And uh, the the, uh, the result was disastrous: uh, the two world wars and uh, and the loss of liberty for millions of people around the globe. Now, in reaction to this process, you uh, make mention of two uh, intellectual figures: uh, Leopold Kor, who wrote *The Breakdown of Nations*, and then E. F. Schumacher, who wrote uh, *Small Is Beautiful*. And they gave their own critical take on the whole modern urban environment and also its political and cultural uh, effects. Can you explain uh, their theories uh, to our listeners? Yes, what we saw in the European historical uh, uh, overview was uh, a kind of concentration of power. Um, from small uh, territories like uh, the police, um, uh, power could uh, widen up and uh, take control over larger territories like the nation state. And then the nation state became the empire. Uh, like uh, the British uh, example or or the the, the French example, and the the empire uh, uh, gives uh, uh, is is already uh, preparing the the ground for a global uh, economy in the uh, in the um, uh, liberal capitalist uh, uh, paradigm and for a communist. Uh, um, uh, uh, global power in in the uh, communist uh, experience or um, uh, the the Nazi. Uh, uh, idea and ideology of um, uh, German uh, uh, rule over the, the world. 
all these examples are examples how to get uh, bigger and bigger uh, 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 how to how to control larger and larger ter- territories, and that's why it's quite natural that uh, uh, to to uh, counterbalance that we need to tr- uh, find the right scale of politics. And uh, these two uh, guys, Kor uh, and Schumacher, are examples of those who try to rethink um, uh, the, the 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 tradition, uh, re- rethink the European historical. Uh, 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 background and find uh, the alternative to this ever uh, enlarging uh, 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 efforts, uh, and uh, they they um, uh, return to the the, uh, the small scale community to the face to face community. They think that uh, the best way, the best guarantee against totalitarian or tyrannical rule, is uh, to give uh, uh, the power back uh, to the local communities, not to, to uh, uh, individuals, but to small uh, uh, groups of people uh, who are uh, uh, ordered uh, uh, along uh, different uh, 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 internal rules. So these are not uh, simply, uh, uh, you know, uh, just uh, uh, groups uh, uh, based on uh, uh, a contractual basis, when uh, we we work together until it's uh, uh, in our private interests, but uh, in the groups uh, which have got uh, a long uh, durée perspective, i.e., that they want to preserve uh, the the uh, the, uh, the results of earlier generations' work, and also to try. Um, uh, to preserve uh, uh, their community for the next generations which come after them. And that sort of uh, traditionally small-scale communal life is the alternative uh, that uh, Kaur and uh, Schumacher um, uh, offer us uh, for consideration. Now, what in your view is the overall legacy of the city, both in its political concept and cultural impact to uh, European culture? I think that uh, the best way to explain that is uh, to to refer to our experience uh, of of uh, the epidemic of the COVID uh, um, uh, period. What we experienced there that to be alone on our own uh, is uh, a, a very uh, uh, you know uh, cruel experience. Uh, human um, uh, nature uh, requires. Uh, uh, to to live and uh, and uh, work together, uh, cohabitation, cooperation is basic. Uh, uh, the, the zone, the nature of the human being is that of the zone politicon. So the the, the political animal that that uh, Aristotle refers to, and that's that's the basic idea. The basic message of the European city is that politics is not about. Uh, 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 you know, charismatic leaders who can control huge masses. It's not about um, uh, the manipulation of uh, uh, of the voters uh, in order to to have private gains, uh, um, but uh, it's rather about uh, doing things together to to take responsibility for each other and uh, to to give way to. Uh, uh, the, the 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 decisions of the com- community that we belong to, that uh, you know, this is uh, the idea that uh, the human being can uh, uh, 
have the best results when they cooperate and they will always lose uh, if they uh, forget about that uh, and try to do things on their own uh, uh, and and uh, trying to invent things out of the blue. Uh, the traditional trial and error methods that uh, brought uh, uh, success to, to uh, the Western um, uh, uh, politics uh, is uh, the experience of the European city. And I think that... Uh, um, uh, political philosophy underestimated the importance of this level, this scale of of uh, human cooperation. The state is uh, important. Global uh, uh, politics, global uh, uh, dimensions are also important. But we should not disregard the the, the level of uh, face-to-face communities. This this is the crucial ex- experience that uh, is. Uh, brought to us uh, by uh, our experience of uh, of uh, living uh, in the epidemic uh, uh, alone uh, and and not uh, able to to communicate uh, on a daily basis face to face with the others now what is the current cultural and political significance of this concept of the city in europe today in your view I think that uh, that Europe is uh, uh, in a in a crisis, uh, and that's because uh, it became um, centralized. There is uh, uh, an elite uh, in Brussels that works like uh, the, the the royal courts in in France. That's that's basically the the paradigm that is worked out there, uh, and that means that uh, the leaders uh, leadership is far away from the everyday citizen, uh, and therefore there is a need uh, to. Uh, to uh, redistribute power uh, in the uh, sense that uh, 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 is described by the term subsidiarity. This is a concept uh, taken over from uh, the Catholic uh, social teaching, and that says that every decision is uh, 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 to be made on the level of those uh, whom uh, it uh, concerns. Uh, So uh, if uh, a decision uh, concerns uh, the, the inhabitants of a district, then the decision should be made in that context in the district. If it concerns the city, it should be made in the, in the city. If it concerns a, a whole state, then it can be made on the state and so on and so on. And that, uh, you know, it's a common sense knowledge. Everyone can uh, understand the logic of it. But that's not the practice uh, at the moment. And I think that what re- is required, at least uh, from my perspective, what is needed to, to work out uh, this, uh, this uh, theory uh, for political philosophy and, and perhaps uh, people will... Uh, uh, realize the, the the logic of it and and it can uh, get um, breakthrough that's that's the idea well this has been a very uh enlightening discussion and i think we're kind of reaching the end do you have any uh concluding thoughts of what we haven't touched on already in the discussion well, uh, I, I also appreciate uh, your interest in, in this uh, research. You know, I'm, I'm far away from, uh, from the U.S., but uh, this book was published in the U.S. in, in English, and I'm, I'm uh, receiving uh, quite uh, uh, good uh, feedback on that, and, and that's, that's very important for, uh, for someone uh, on this part of the world. And also, I, I think uh, it's, it's, uh, it's uh, quite... Uh, uh, we are living in, in in quite troubled times, but also times when when new ideas can um, can uh, have uh, their say. 
and uh, I hope that this experience of the locality of of uh, uh, the uh, 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 preference for the small scale and for the local um, uh, that that uh, for example the political philosophers like uh, Roger Scruton referred to uh, become uh, more and more important and that's why I'm, my next work uh, will be uh, a monograph on on Roger Scruton on the uh, connection between his ideas on art and beauty and his ideas of politics. Uh, I hope uh, th there will be an interest in that as well because things um, that uh, we discussed uh, in this uh, in connection with these books will reappear in the, in another context in in his uh, um, philosophy. <laughs> yeah, and uh, actually our last question was what were you working on, but I think you've already answered that. But yeah, when you uh finish that book, uh if you want, you can we can bring you back onto the podcast and we can interview about that. I would be, I would appreciate because I think that uh, Roger Scruter is uh, largely misunderstood. Uh, people think that he is a cultural warrior uh, who was uh, you know just uh, just talking his own ideology, but that's not the case. He was a very nuanced uh, philosopher, and first of all, he was a, a philosopher of art and beauty. And I want to show the connection in this book um, between uh, ideas of uh, aesthetic judgment, of judgments of beauty, of taste, actually, that uh, that we uh, need uh, in order to to find uh, beautiful objects, uh, beautiful and enjoy them, and that. Th this uh, is the same uh, thing that we discussed in connection with Cicero, uh, the, the idea of decorum, that you need to cultivate your mind and your taste in order to become a good citizen of your uh, community. And, uh, and that's, uh, I think, a very relevant issue, no matter whether you are a conservative um, or a classical liberal or even uh, a leftist uh, localist you will find the ideas in, in Scruton's philosophy which might be interesting for you. Well, uh, Ferenc uh, Herke, uh, thank you for appearing on the uh, New Books Network. Stefan um, was uh, happy to be here and, and uh, thanks for your interest in it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the New Books Network. I am your host, Stephen Sakevich of the Russia and Eurasian Studies channel. Until next time. <laughs>